0: If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn with me to John 20. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at the account of that Sunday morning after Jesus rose uh, from the Gospel of John. Now, before I get started, I do have to uh, begin this by telling you that the Gospel of John is quite a bit different than the other three Gospels. It was written um, several decades after the other three, And it's almost as if God, when he was recording scripture for us, went back and used John to fill in holes that the other three missed. For instance, when um, the, the, the disciples sat down and had that first communion with the Lord, it says in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they just rose from the table. But in John's, he records a whole chapter 13 where he said, let's have a foot washing service. It's almost as if this God says, you know, a couple thousand years from now, people might need to know that. And then after that, it was time to go to the garden. And John recorded three chapters of instruction after that supper, but before he died. In John 14, 15 and 16, that's only in John. And then he went to the garden and prayed. And when he prayed, John 17 is one of the prayers he prayed. And he said, you might need to know that information. So when we get to chapter 20, there's an account here that's quite a bit different than the other three accounts. Okay. Now, I want you to look at the words and let it read to you. But what we read as we go to this is the women come to the tomb very early in the morning, so early it's still dark. And what happens is Mary Magdalene hits the panic button, and she says, someone stole the body. She runs and gets Peter. Peter comes to the tomb, and he looks around. And then he goes home. And then in the other Gospels, they pick up on the account where Mary and the women start talking to angels. And the angel said, he's arisen. Go tell the disciples, especially Peter, because he left thinking the body was stolen. Comes back to Peter, says, I was wrong the first time. Peter runs to the tomb a second time. And this time he is confused more than a termite and a yo-yo. Okay? Now, I share that. Why would John record this? We want to have this warm, fuzzy feeling about the resurrection came, everybody was happy, everybody was safe, everybody was pleasant. But that's not our world. And John knew sometimes it takes grace to understand grace. Sometimes we need a little extra help understanding things. Okay, so I've told you what I'm going to tell you. We're going to read scripture and see if it's actually so. And then we want to look at life from the perspective of Mary Magdalene and Peter that Sunday morning. What a ball of confusion that was. But resurrection knowledge can fix all that. And that's where we're going. Okay, so with this being done, let's get started here. And I'm going to kind of give you a little preview, getting ready for John 20, starting at verse 1. What happened was, is what, when Jesus was on the cross, the Jews were very uncomfortable with Jesus being on the cross uh, during the Sabbath. Okay, so what happened was, is the Jews went to Pilate, and this is recorded in John 19 and verse 31. He went to Pilate, and they said, Pilate, you know, the the, the Sabbath is coming up. Can, Can you kind of hurry up the death process? It sounds kind of cold, but that's exactly what they did. So Pilate went out and he sent some soldiers to break their legs. Okay. And then in John 20 and 42, after they found out that Jesus was dead, they didn't have to break his legs, Nicodemus picks up Jesus' body and he's hurrying. He's hurrying to retrieve the body, he's hurrying to anoint the body, he's hurrying to wrap the body, and he's hurrying to bury the body to get the body in the ground before sundown. Okay, that's all recorded in and John, that's really 19, 20, 42. And then finally in Mark's account in Mark 15 and 47 and also recorded in Luke's account, 23, the women are watching everything. This is Mary Magdalene and all the women. And they're watching, and they're right there when Jesus died. And they're there when the soldiers came. And they're there when they came and picked him up. They're there when Nicodemus got him. They're there when Nicodemus buried him. And they, they watched him anoint him. They watched him wrap him. They watched him put him in the tomb. And they watched him hurrying before. And you know what happens? The women said Nicodemus didn't do it right. They wanted to rebury Jesus. That sounds gruesome, doesn't it? But that's exactly what they wanted to do. So we keep on going with the account. Not satisfied with Jesus' burial, Mary Magdalene and the woman took steps to rebury Jesus. So what they did is they went, and this is recorded in Mark 16 and verse 1, they went and bought spices and they had to wait a couple of Sabbaths. This is also recorded in Luke 23. They prepared spices and they had to wait a Sabbath. And then in John in verse 20, they came very early Sunday morning. But the funny thing was, is they planned all this out. There's only one thing they forgot. They didn't pay attention to how much muscle it was going to take to roll that rock away until they almost got right there at the sepulcher, right? So they're coming up to it, and this is recorded in Mark 16, verse 2 and 3. Approaching the sepulcher, they ask, who shall roll the stone away? Okay, but God was there. What did he do? He sent an earthquake. Well, he sent angels to have an earthquake and he rolled it away for them. Okay? And he shook the earth. That's all right there. And then Mark, Luke 24 and verse 1 they arrived and they found the stone had been rolled away. Okay? So, with all that being said, that's kind of the groundwork. If you really want to do these, these parallel passages, you go to Mark 16, you go to Luke 24, and also you want to go to Matthew 28. You can read all those accounts. But today we're reading John's account. So let's go there to John's account. I'm going to start reading here in verse 1. John 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth... And cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be the Apostle John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. So her first report of the crime scene is a theft. That's what what she's got. She, She made this assumption. Now, I know... Jesus preached his death, burial, and resurrection three days later on multiple occasions. But that was the last thing on their mind. So they arrive, and it's, it's dark. You got to think, they, they, you know, I don't, I don't know if they had a lantern or not. Those, that's just my imagination going. But it's dark, and she sees this gone away, and her first assumption or conclusion is someone stole the body. And she runs and goes get Peter. And Peter jumps out. I don't know if he jumps out of bed. I don't know if he's having his morning coffee. You know, I'm being silly, but but, but he runs right to the, the, the graveyard. Okay. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. I ask you the question, what did they believe? They didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead. Prove it. Next verse. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. You know what they believed? They believed the lie. They believed someone stole the body. Think about that. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. So I'm going to stop right here. I want to pick up on Peter in a couple minutes. But right now, I want to follow through on Mary Magdalene. She's a mess, okay? And she's not a mess that she's unfaithful. She's just confused. And we all need a little bit of help once in a while, right? Have you ever a position where the finished work is behind you and grace (laughs) is before you, and you're just confused about that of works? We're going to see Mary Magdalene. She's going to have Jesus Christ in front of her, angels in front of, behind her, And she is going to be scared and confused to death. From a natural standpoint, you couldn't be better place than have Jesus in front of you and angels behind you. But she does, and she's still confused. You know what she needs? She needs grace to understand grace. Okay? That's what this message is for. Okay, so let's keep on reading. I'm still in John 20. We're focusing on poor Mary Magdalene. Verse 11, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. So I don't know. This is my imagination. I'm just, I'm just speculating. You know, when she first came, it was dark and she saw the stone rolled away and she didn't, couldn't see real well. And she took off, went after Peter. Peter comes back. I don't know how much time that took. And then when they got back, Peter went in, and then Peter and John go home, and it says they believe, but they didn't know the Scripture about him rising again, so they're believing the lie. Mary Magdalene is still there, and she she walks in. This time, I'm suspecting it's probably a little more light. And she sees some angels. John and Peter didn't see the angels, but she sees some angels, and she has a conversation. Notice what she says to the angels. Verse 14. No, verse 13. And they say, the angel's woman, why weepest thou? She saith to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they've laid him. She still thinks someone stole the body. She's talking to the angels. They're asking, why are you sad? Someone stole Jesus' body. She's not converted yet, is she? and when jesus when she had said thus she turned herself back and saw jesus standing and knew not that it was jesus jesus said unto her, A woman why weepest thou whom seekest thou she supposing him to be the gardener said unto him sir if thou hast borne him hence tell me where thou hast laid him did you steal his body you understand? She, she goes there, she makes the assumption someone stole the body. She's talking to the angel, she says someone stole the body. She's talking to Jesus, and she says someone stole the body. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned herself and saith to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. She went back, and we can prove this through the other Gospels. She went back after having this encounter with the angels and with Jesus. And she says, I was wrong the first time. He's risen from the dead. You know what the disciples say? Yeah, right. Lady, you lost your credibility. Why should I believe this report now? Okay? Th- this, is, this is Sunday morning. This is resurrection morning. Y'all, it takes grace to understand grace. Because I'll make a confession at the end of this about how long I'd been in the church before I really understood the impact of the resurrection. Okay? All right. Let's go down here. <clears throat> Mary Magdalene assumed her first report was wrong. Got this? In John 20 and verse 2, she ran to Simon and she said, I don't know where they laid him. Someone stole the body. In 20 and 13, she's talking to the angels and she says, Someone stole the body. In verse 15, she's talking to Jesus and she said, Someone stole the body. Her second report was right. She said, no, no one sold the body. Jesus Christ has risen from the grave, and I've seen him. In Luke 24, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and mother Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that went to them and told them these things to the apostles. They gave them the good report. And Mark sixteen and eleven says, and when they heard this that he was alive and been seen of her, they believed her not. I think Luke's account says it was as idle tales. Think about it. Peter believed the lie, but he didn't believe the truth. Well, we never trusted Peter anyway, right? He was always the one that's speaking before he thinks. Poor John goes up to the grave and he's scared to go and not Peter, just just plows right in. He runs right in there. That's Peter, right? But Peter had a little hiccup in his faith. Y'all, after being with Jesus for three and a half years and seeing his miracles and hearing his preaching and his promises about rising from the grave three and a half, sometimes when you're in the midst of a trial, you forget. Sometimes we need a little extra help, don't we? That's why we're looking at Mary Magdalene and Peter. And I think that's why John included this account, which is a little bit different than the other three Gospels, because sometimes we're Peter and Mary Magdalene. We make assumptions, we forget the things Jesus has told us, and we go on our own way. And what's worse, we tell our own way to others, and they believe our lies. Which, if you ever had fear and trepidation of going into a pulpit, that's me. Because i last thing I ever want to do is mi- misrepresent what Jesus said. It's a scary thing. Okay, let's go to Luke's account. Let's go to Luke's account. I'm going to start here in, in, in verse 1. I wish we had time to go through all four accounts, but I'm just doing these two today. This one is going to focus a little more on Peter. Here's a block of time. Just like that communion dinner that they had. when He said, this is, this is the bread, this is my body, this is the wine, this is my blood. The other three accounts, they, as soon as they had that communion service, you know what they did? They had an argument about who was the best preacher. Oh yeah, Peter, you think you can preach? Nah, Peter, you can't preach your way out of paper sack. You ought to hear me preach. No, that's what that was the argument. And Jesus is listening to this and he says, wait a second, time out guys. We're going to have a foot washing service. You need to figure out how this thing works out. John's the only one that recorded this. Well, we come to this account and this little hiccup about the false report and believing the false report and going home discouraged. John's the only one that recorded this. Let's read Peter now from here. 24 and verse 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they entered in, and found not the body of Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed about, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and they were afraid, and bound down their faces to the earth. And they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. The the, the angels are saying, he told you this was going to happen. Verse 7, saying the son of man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. He says, we're on the third day. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the leaven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women that were with them which told them these things to the apostles. Verse 11. And their words seemed as idle tales. They believed them not. Why didn't you believe the women? Well, maybe part of it was the false report that came first. And they're saying, yeah, right. Or maybe it was just they forgot the preaching of Jesus and all the promises he made. But for some reason, his apprentices of three and a half years could not keep that in their mind about looking for a risen Jesus. I shared with you, there's when I was in, I lived in North Carolina for a while, and there's a brother Baker. This, This was how. I don't want it to sound like I'm demeaning him because it, it, I, just, I marvel at it. Brother Baker was, was a sweet man. And every time there was a thunderstorm and there was lightning in the sky, he ran to the front door. And he looked and he oh, just wanted to make sure it wasn't Jesus. And he went back to doing whatever he did. Isn't that amazing? He, Jesus Return is so much on his forefront that every thunder, every lightning, every crack of thunder, he runs up. No, it's not Jesus' time. And he keeps going every single time. Well, that's like with these guys. They heard the promise that he was going to be buried and rise again three days later. Three days, it seems like they should, is he coming? Now, I'm not pointing my finger because I've done the same thing they did. I'm not holding myself better than them. But it just totally left their mind. They were so scared. Where am I at? Verse twelve. Look look what it says. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre, stooping down, and beheld the linen clothes by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was to come to pass. I believe Peter went to the tomb twice that morning. The first time he went, he went with the bad report. He checked it out, left believing the lie. The second time he went with a truth and he doubted, leaving wondering. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what made him run to the tomb. I wonder if he's sitting there. He says, you know, again, he you know what? I never heard of a thief that stole a body and then would take time and fold up the linen and put it one pile over here and pull up the napkin and put it one pile over here and then cart and run away with the body. That doesn't make a lick of sense. I wonder what's going on. This has got to be what's rifling through his mind. Okay? Poor Peter. Poor Mary Magdalene. Poor Brother Dolph Painter. Okay? Okay. So let's look. After per- Peter's first trip to the sepulcher, he left believing a lie. Okay, John 23:4. Upon hearing Mary's false report, he ran to the tomb. Okay, he saw the napkin in, the, in different places. He returned home and he believed the false report. But after a second trip to the tomb, the woman shared the angel's testimony, and Mary shared her personal experience having seen. Uh, the woman also shared the testimony of Jesus. And you know what? The disciples ignored both the testimony of the angels, and the testimony of Jesus. And they didn't believe him. It's tempting to say, I'd never would have done that, isn't it? Amen. I'm too afraid. And if you say it, I'm gonna go like this, so when the lightning does come, I'm going go like that, right? evidently peter had a private encounter with resurrected jesus this is going to take some work here but watch this okay in mark 16 6 through 8 i find it very interesting when they get the true report <laughs> they t- the angels tell peter or not no, they tell the women go tell the disciples but make especially sure you tell Peter. Why did he single Peter out? I think as he was at home believing the lie. Make sure you tell Peter. But look what happens here. In Luke 24, 31 through 34, this is an amazing encounter. You remember those those two people that was on the road to Emmaus? And they were going home, and it was, the, it was that Sunday. And as they were walking to Emmaus, Jesus showed up, and he's the third person, and he's walking, and they have this conversation. Well, after they have a conversation, they sit down, and they eat a little while. And after they eat a little while, the Lord opens it up, and they go, wow, we've seen Jesus. And those two jump up, look at each pick, and they run to the disciples, and they bust in on the door where they're at, and they say, we've seen Jesus, we've seen Jesus. But notice what they say here. He said, the Lord has risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And he's, see, see Peter is with the disciples in that upper room. And he's telling them, I've seen Jesus. And these two bust in. And what they say is, yeah, yeah. What Peter's saying, we saw it too. In his second witness. Resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 it says he was seen of Cephas, then of the 12, that evidently Peter had a private viewing. And he was sharing with the disciples. He saw him. The two from Emmaus come in and they said, "We've saw him too. The disciples don't believe any of them. They don't believe the women, they don't believe Mary, they don't believe Peter. they don't believe the two on the way to Emmaus." And then Jesus shows up in the room, and they go, "Oh, now we believe." Sometimes we need a little extra help, don't we? And when someone else needs that extra help, we don't have patience. But when we need that extra help, we want all the patience in the world. Amen? Jesus preached his death, burial, and resurrection. On many occasions, here's three. And I picked them all consecutively because I just, there's, there's no way you can miss it. These are not parallel accounts. In Mark 8 and 31, this is when he says, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ. And he says, thou hast well said. And this is what he tells them. And he began to teach them. He's the son of man shall suffer many things, rejected of the elders, chief priests and scribes. And he's going to be killed. And after three days, he's going to rise again. That's recorded in John or Mark 8 and verse 31. In Mark 9.31, he taught the disciples. He said, the Son of Man is delivered in the hands of men. They shall kill him, and when he is killed, he shall rise the third day. That's the second time. Right in a row in chapter 10, he teaches them again. This is when James and John want to sit on the right hand and the left hand, and the mom's trying to get them scooped in there, and he teaches them again. And he says, the Son of Man shall be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and mock him and scourge him and spit upon him and kill him and the third day rise again. They heard Jesus preach that he was going to rise on the third day at least these three times. I could probably quadruple it and say it was at least a dozen times. And when it came to it, and you know what? The Jews took him and they delivered him to the Gentiles and they mocked him and they spit upon him and they killed him, and they buried him. Everything he said played out exactly like he said. But they forgot that last statement. On the third day he shall rise again. Sometimes as, as a biological father, you will try to instruct your children in something, especially at that 14, 15 year old range. And you tell them something a dozen times and it just goes, shoo. But then when I was at 14 or 15, it went, shoo, over me too, right? Well, that's what Jesus is with these disciples. The general resurrection was understood. Remember when Lazarus rose from the grave, right? Jesus called him forth. Well, what happened was Lazarus was sick. And Lazarus got the, the report, the, the sisters sent report to Jesus and, you know, Lazarus, you know, you're really good friends with him. You love him. You love us. He said, Please come back. He's really sick. He's going to die. And Jesus purposely took extra days. And he shows up four days after Lazarus has died. And then when he walks up, the two sisters come one after another. Lord, if you only been here? You could have healed them and he'd been arrived. And you know what Jesus said? He said he's going to rise. And the women, I I know I know he's going to rise in that last day. And Jesus says, no, he's going to rise today. So so they understood that there was it was words off their lips, but it hadn't made that eighteen inch drop. It was just stuff that they repeated. It hadn't gone down here yet, and it affected their heart and their soul. Okay, and I think I learned that 18-inch drop Peter sang from that rat man right there with the white beard. I think he's the one that taught me that several years ago. In Matthew 22: 31 and 32, he was speaking, talking about uh, you know about people being married in heaven. He says, "Is touching the resurrection of the dead? Have you not read? I am not the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." God is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. Again, they understood the resurrection of the dead. It just wasn't all put together. And they didn't understand that Jesus was the first fruits. And unless he was the first fruits and he rose from the dead, there could be no resurrection of the dead. They just hadn't put it all together. You know what? They needed some help. Well, let's go to the help now. I know I'm covering a lot of ground today. I apologize. But, but, but I, I really need, I really want to share how confused Peter and Mary Magdalene were. But I want you to know the cure isn't an aspirin. You don't take a pill and all of a sudden you get it. It takes some work. It takes some grace. It takes some scripture. It takes some Holy Spirit. It takes a lot of Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. This is the two on the road to Emmaus. Look what happened when they got it. This is their aha moment. And it came to pass as they sat at meat with him. This is Jesus Christ. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. Do you really think, you said, Brother Dolph, you didn't take aspirin, it takes a loaf of bread. You think the bread is what did it? No, that, I'm being silly, aren't I? No, Jesus opened not only their eyes so they could see Him; He opened their understanding so they can put things together. And they were so excited they jumped up, lickety-split, and they went to the disciples and they say, "Jesus is risen." Okay. In John twenty and twenty-two, Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. Now, pay attention to this. They're still scared. Where did he find them? They were in the upper room and the door was bolted. You know why the door was bolted? They were scared. They weren't just scared, they were us scared. And they were in that room the doors was locked because they thought the Jews were going to come get them. And Jesus comes in the middle of them and you know what he does? He breathes unto them the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is not when they were born again. They were born again long before that. He said, put down your nets and follow me, and they did. He ordained them, they were doing miracles, they were casting out devils, they were healing people, they were following him around for three and a half years. They were already his children, they were just confused children. And he says, you need some spirit, and he breathes them to the Holy Spirit. And you know what the difference is? From that day forward, they were no longer locked in a room afraid of the Jews. They were preaching just like Stephen and Acts. You want to know about the gospel? They said, we're going to beat you if you keep talking. That he says, can't help it. Got to preach it. It was different. Everything was different. The resurrection changed everything, but their understanding of it changed them, which made them look at everything different. Okay. And one more. Back to Luke 24. Notice what it says there. This is not the two on the road to Emmaus. This is his disciples. And it says, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was wet with you, that are all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. You see, all that stuff that I preached to you, it was nothing new. It was recorded in the Old Testament. And I preached the Old Testament to you the whole time. Yeah, we read Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10, but it was all throughout the Old Testament. He's going to die. He's going to rise again three days later. And it just happened. And it was words off their lips. But notice what he does here. Then opened he their understanding. They need a little extra help. Y'all need a little extra help. It takes grace to understand grace. Amen? Okay. I want to look at some before and afters. Okay. Let's see if this, anyway, resembles you or I. Okay. Sister Molly, just look to the rafters. Okay. Notice what happened. This is a before. They're in the upper room. This is the disciples. And Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, peace be unto you. And it says, but they were terrified and affrightened, supposing they had seen a spirit. Three days and three nights later, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, after getting the reports from the women, after getting the reports from the two of after getting reports from Peter, they're in the room. Peter shows up, and they're scared because they think it's a ghost. Okay? And then he anoints them. He speaks to them, opens their understanding, fills them with the Holy Spirit. And then look what happens a couple verses later. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And you know what? They weren't afraid of the Jews anymore. That's what the resurrection knowledge can do for you. Okay? Here's a second account. Resilience. In John 20, 19 and 20. I told you they were in that upper room, locked in the door because the fear of the Jews. Look what it describes them afterwards in Acts 4, 19 and 20. And Peter and John answered and said to them because they were told to stop preaching whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You may threaten to kill me, but I'm going to preach the resurrection anyway because it makes all the difference. Okay. Got one more passage. This is it. And the congregation, if you're a visitor here, the congregation knows there's a 50-50 chance this is my last passage, okay? But this is my last passage. I'm in First Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to give my testimony, okay? Verse 2 was words off my lips for probably the first 20 years of my conversion, okay? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit of the obedience of the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, peace be multiplied. There's the Godhead, three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in my salvation. Oh, I love that verse. It helped put everything together for me. That's what converted me to grace. It really did. But for about 20 years, that's where I stopped. I never knew the next three verses. It was right there, but I never knew it. I was kind of like the disciples, knowing that he would be taken by the Jews and turned over to the Gentiles and scourged and whipped and spit upon. But that last time I stopped and rise again three days later. I just stopped. Blessed be the God of our Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in rat last time. How in the world can you just settle on verse two and not pay attention to verse th- three, four, and five? I did it for twenty years. You know what? Sometimes you need a little extra. And it took a trial. It took a death of someone very close to me to realize. Yeah, verse 2 is good, but 3, 4, and 5 are way better. That's where our hope is. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, without the resurrection, your faith is vain. Without the resurrection, my preaching is vain. We we gotta have it. As Paul Harvey said, that's the rest of the story. That's the completion of the story. There it is. So we go on with this passage. There's going to be trials. People close to us are going to die, just like Mary Magdalene and Peter. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perished, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And I look at the trial and, you know, for a couple hours that Sunday morning, Peter and Mary Magdalene didn't do too well, did they? But they overcame. This is where they got. Whom having not seen, ye love. And whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I think that'll be our closing song, right? These words are so good, it might be good to put to a song, isn't it? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You'll know in about three minutes. Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye have not seen him, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That's what the resurrection knowledge does. It gets you through those trials. And not only does it get you through those trials, it gets you those trials with a sparkle in your eye, and a hop in your, your step. Now, Sister Rhoda, you're saying, I'm in my 90s. I don't have a hop in my step anymore. Yeah, I've seen the gleam in your eye, though, okay? <laughs> I notice the songs you always call out. You've got the resurrection in mind. So, with that being said, I hope that as we look at poor Peter and poor Mary Magdalene, it's not one of those, uh uh-huh, ha." Uh-huh, I'd never do that. It's, Lord, how many times have I done that? thank you for having mercy and grace and being patient with them. Lord, please have mercy and grace, being patient with me, and maybe I can extend the, other, the same to others when they're in that place too. May God bless you. Thank you.